Welcome to podcast number eight from ministrytochildren.com. My name is Tony Coomer, and today I'll be talking with Matt McKee. Now, Matt is the CEO of Roar, R04R.com, and he does social media for the Rethink Group. So, Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tony. I'm really glad to be here. Well, let's get started with uh, who you are and tell me a little bit about your story and how you first became involved with kids ministry. Yeah, you know, growing up, I grew up in central Kentucky. I went to school at a little school in Kentucky called Cumberland College, little Baptist school. I studied theater and communication, and I had a minor in religion. And then I I got married when I was in in college. Between my junior and senior year, I was kind of young and my Wife and I, we decided that we were going to go to seminary, and we moved out to Dallas. And I always thought I was going to be the chaplain of a professional team, and that's why I went to seminary. And my wife went to seminary to be a public relations director for churches. And while we were there, God totally changed us. Uh, We both said that we didn't want to work in a church, but we were introduced to a church down there called Fellowship Church. And when we walked in, it was unlike any other church that we'd ever seen, that we'd ever experienced we both grew up Southern Baptist and we walked in and, you know, they had a rock band and they had all these different things. And they were looking for uh, some children, pastor people. Uh, they said, hey, Matt, we'll let you be on stage every week. We'll let you write your own curriculum. We'll let Jessica work with you doing events and some public relations for the children's department. And at the time, I was a I was a um, telemarketer to CPAs. And I said, God, anything to get me out of that, not to have to make another phone call, not to have to make another sale. Let me get out of this job. And that's what led us to children's ministry. Even I kind of went in kicking and screaming because I always said I was speaking to youth across the nation. I was doing some different things. I'd worked for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. But God said, this is the door I want you to go through. And because I did, I would get to say that I've done some pretty, uh, pretty cool stuff in children's ministry. You know, one thing that it seems like there's a lot of excitement about right now in children's ministry is Orange and the Orange curriculum and the Rethink Group. Can you tell me a little bit about Orange and just maybe start from the beginning for someone who knows almost nothing about it? Yeah, Orange is a strategy. And don't get me wrong, the strategy does produce curriculum. But when it comes down to it, it's talking about how do you get the church, uh, which is yellow, and get the family, which is red. How do you combine the two influences so that there's a greater influence? And that whole strategy of partnering parents with the church and getting them to work together so that they can reach the next generation, that's what it's all about. Uh, we utilize you know, curriculum. We utilize conferences, uh, whether that's a touring conference or one here in Atlanta. Or uh, we also use you know, different websites and training tools uh, like orangeleaders.com or youleadorange.com, either one. Well, maybe tell me a little bit more about Orange Leaders because I just saw a few weeks ago that you guys were making some updates. So what's the deal with that? Yeah, we actually just went through a whole new facelift, a whole new – I wouldn't call it a rebranding, but I would call it almost a relaunch. Uh, we've put there a place for a destination, something that you could check back with uh, on a daily basis, whether that's on the blog, maybe it's on the job board, maybe it's who knows what. I mean, there's ways that we've given people the ability to upload their own content or ways that they are improving curriculum, which is kind of revolutionary in the whole curriculum aspect because most publishing companies are kind of scared to do that. You know, we say, hey, why not? Let's see what other people are doing and how they 
are taking our stuff and making it better. We've had everything from songs to other scripts that have been written on top of and things like that. So that's the exciting part. Uh, we have a, a new product called ULEAD, which is leadership training for children's pastors, student pastors, even executive uh, and senior pastors. And we're giving that away for the next, uh, well, for the month of October. So for this month, you can get a whole month. Uh, and what that includes is each week, we're going to give you 20 minutes. Maybe that's a podcast. Maybe that's a book review. Maybe that is um, some stats and some other things that are going to help you uh, that will really just further your personal leadership. But then also we're going to help you do your volunteer leadership. We've created an email that you can put your name on, put your own thoughts into and send out to your volunteers to help them to see what you're learning. But then also we have some staff stuff that you can go through as a as an entire staff. So we think it's fairly valuable, actually really valuable, but we want uh, we want everybody at least to be able to try it. So uh, make sure you get that before uh, the end of October. Well, one thing I've really enjoyed um, recently is the, the free 252 basic stuff you guys have put up. October, November, December, it's, uh, it's going to be free for anybody who hasn't used it in the past. You can check it out. We're giving away all of our curriculum, whether it's 252, whether it's First Look, whether it's XP3. Basically, that just means preschool, children, or youth. We want you to be able to see what we're doing and how our strategy kind of looks in a curriculum aspect. A lot of people like that because, you know, it's a big change for them if they're, you know, if they've been with the same publisher for years and years and they maybe have read Reggie's book and they're like, yeah, this is a great idea, but. Just to make the switch in a lot of churches, changing curriculum is, you know, is a lot like changing denominations for some churches. So, and it is, it's a big deal, and we appreciate that. Uh, we appreciate what the denominations are doing, and we're not trying to stop those. We're just saying that we believe in a strategy, a strategy that's bigger than any denomination, any uh, thing that really is out there, and that is trying. How do you get the parent and the church to work together to reach the next generation? You know, Orange is one part of a larger movement where a lot of Christians, a lot of leaders in our generation are saying, you know, we haven't reached, uh, you know, if you look at the statistics with the millennials and their kids and generation after generation, the church is not even reaching its own kids. And there's a lot of talk now about how we can better do that. I know Orange is one response. I've seen different people talking about family ministry and Christian parenting in different contexts. You know, do you think this is is just kind of a panic reaction that Christians are having, or is this maybe a movement from God that might be able to turn some of the tide around? What do you think? What do you see is going on right now? Well, you know, I don't believe family ministry is a fad whatsoever. I think it's something that's been done for centuries upon centuries. I think it goes all the way back to uh, biblical times, and I think, you know, the whole uh, start of it was kind of Deuteronomy 6, and uh, that's where we get the principles of orange. But so when looking at how does the church or how does the family, how do we reach our own kids, I think is the is the question. And I think what's happened is we've kind of alienated uh, one sector or the other. We haven't uh, been very intentional about bringing them together. And I think that's just the voice that you're hearing right now. And I think that's at least the vision that you're hearing. We believe that parents have a lot more time with kids and we believe that they need to be well, they, they need to have the, the influence, but also the resources to be able to reach out to those kids and to their own kids. And that's what, you know, some of the things that you're seeing, not just at Orange, but a bunch of other places. And I appreciate that because it does seem like, at least in, in my training in seminary and then my experience here, I'm, I've only been in kids ministry a few years, but it seems like so much of what 
you know, we're doing is focused on just those few hours they're in church. And there is a big gap in, okay, what are we doing to leverage the family structure to be a Christ-centered family structure and just empower parents? And that seems like it makes a lot of sense. But what I've heard some people say and what I've even thought myself is that, okay, at the end of the day here, are we going to – are we going to talk so much about family ministry that, uh, you know, in five years, churches are going to be like, well, you know, reaching kids for Christ, that's that's totally on families and we just do what we do. You know, then we're going to get to a point where we have a generation that maybe is the least church generation of kids we've ever seen. And we're doing the least to reach outside of our traditional. It just seems like at some point we're going to say, oh, man, we've got 15 percent of the kids in church and their parents are discipling them. But what about the other kids? Is that a concern that you've heard raised? Sure it is. And that's when you take too much focus on one of the influences. I mean, if you just take and look at the family, we believe the family is a vehicle and God's going to use that vehicle and it's going to help change the next generation. But the family can't do it alone. The family needs the church and the church needs to be the church. And the church has a message um, and it also has a vehicle that's different than the family. And God's going to use both of them. And that's why at Orange, we're saying they have to work together. Not one can be more important than the other, but the two, when they are combined, uh, make a greater influence. And something that really clicked for me is um, a few years ago, we were doing some follow-up visits after Vacation Bible School. And if your church does a Vacation Bible School out there, you probably know what this is like. You go and you try to meet some of these families. And and the parents kind of know who you are, and they don't. And the kids think you're a rock star or whatever. So, you know, I'm going into these families' homes and I'm, I'm, I'm meeting them and, and it was case after case where the mom would be kind of friendly and the dad was just, you know, if the dad was there at all, he was kind of like, you could tell by his expressions and his attitude that he was, he didn't want any part of it. He thought, thought very poorly of religion and Christianity and everything. And it just kind of occurred to me, you know, as I was standing there trying to, trying to make some kind of connection with these families and with these dads, just totally unchurched dads. That's the real battleground, it seems like, for this generation. Because if we can't reach those those parents, the, that influence is actually working against the gospel. So you have a, a situation where the kid will come to Bible school and they'll hear a lot of great things and they'll be challenged to follow Christ. And then they go home and the spiritual leader of their family, the father, is a bad spiritual leader and he's leading them away from Christ you know, intentionally. And that was a real clicking point for me and I that just kind of controlled my thoughts for such a while, how we got to reach parents and dads. You know, If we're going to reach this generation of kids, you know, that's the real battleground. Is the and whole. what you're talking about is the church being the church. Mm-hmm. I mean the church has still got to preach the gospel. Uh, the church still has to be able to show the love of Christ and let people know that they can be transformed and their life can be changed because of that. It's not taking that away at all. I think what the words even family ministry, I think what you're seeing is the antithesis of what's going on in our culture. Because so many things are taking away from the family, we're, we're saying, you know, hey, we need to bring things back to the family. And you're going to hear that from not only the church, but you're going to hear that from politicians. You're going to hear that in commercials. You're going to hear that all over the place. Uh, and I think that's kind of where this is kind of birthed. Really, the movement has kind of started because of that. Well, let's go ahead and switch gears, Matt, because one of the things I wanted to talk with you about is technology and how technology can intersect with children's ministry. So maybe if you can just give me a few easy examples, easy ways that any church, big, small, rich, poor, can better use technology in their ministries. Well, the great thing about technology is the price a lot of times of technology. And what I mean by that 
is a lot of times the internet and things that are happening on the internet are free to use or at least very inexpensive. One prime example of that is Google. And if your church isn't utilizing Google, uh, leveraging Google to its fullest potential, I would really look into that. You know, one of the churches, the last church I worked at, we got rid of our Microsoft Exchange server and we were able to get rid of all kinds of different technology pieces that we were using. And we, we went to Google. We were able to change all of our email to there. We were, and people would still email me at, at Horizon CC. I was at Horizon Community Church, but it would just go to their servers and they would maintain it. We were able to share documents with one another. We were able to do all these different things utilizing free technology uh, from Google. And that's one of the great things about uh, technology is that the price of it is becoming lower and lower, and it's becoming easier and easier to use as they think through the whole user experience and user interface. And those are great, exciting things that I can't wait to at least show people and get people uh, to start utilizing. And sure, it's change, and that change is always hard. But one thing that uh, I think you'll see is when you start utilizing technology, whether that's a website, whether that's uh, Google Apps or whatever that is, uh, you'll see that you can become more efficient and really even more effective. And that will only help you build out relationships that are offline because your online is becoming more and more streamlined. How have you seen different churches use Facebook in terms of a communication tool? I'm surprised that there's not every church in America on Facebook. The, it's interesting because, again, it's a free communication platform. Uh, people can uh, go in there. They share a lot of information from Facebook pages. So what churches will do, they'll set up hopefully a Facebook page. They'll then post to that Facebook page events, things that are going on, uh, pictures, things that people can interact with. And that's the key. When utilizing any type of social media, you want to make it as interactive as possible. You want it to be able for people to share that information with their friends, with other even social networks, with other things that are going on on the internet, so that when that happens, a bunch of people get to see it. And churches are utilizing this aspect of social media, this interaction of social media, so that people can interact with the message that happened on Sunday, or so that they can interact with an event that's coming up, whether that's VBS or whatever it is. Uh, maybe it's even you know what your kid learned this past Sunday. And those are exciting things for me because that's when we get out of Sunday morning and we get into Monday through Saturday and we can be an access point for each and every individual that goes to our church because the internet and technology is becoming so prevalent. Um, do you recommend for churches to use a group for their church or a page? Because I've seen it done both ways. So Facebook just came out with uh, their new groups, which are very closed. It's interesting, their whole aspect of the new group. You can't really do an old group anymore. Uh, so I'm telling everyone uh, to go to a Facebook page. It's very easy for people to like. It's very easy to get outside of your church as well. Because we all have the message of Jesus and we want to spread that out, we don't want that to be closed. That's what a group is going to do. We want that to be a page and pages people can go to and they don't actually have to be a part of that group to get all the information. Uh, they can do certain things uh, if they like the page and they're going to be able um, to come back. But you can also have on a page, you can have Facebook.com slash your church name. Well, that's going to help you as well. 
So there's some aspects, I believe, for churches that pages are better than groups. And I think that's a recent change because when I was looking at it, you know, I think we did, we started ours here at church maybe two years ago. And pages at that point were were very new to Facebook if, if they were even there at all. And they were, you know, they were kind of about, you know, if you were a business and different things and or if you were a rock star and you had fans. So we always thought, well, it's weird for somebody to be a fan of our church. So we're going to be, a, you know, a member of our church, a group person. But then we were like, well, no, you're not really a member because you're not a church member, church member, but you can be a part of our, you know, social circle. You know, it's it was kind of confusing. So hopefully that the new features with the pages and I know pages have developed a lot. The one thing I wish they would do is that you can't message where you can send an update through your page, but people don't get those. That's the one weakness that's kept us holding on to our old group. Yeah, and that's that's the interesting part. And it really comes down to what is your strategy going to be? If it's just an inner circle deal, a group's going to be great. And you can uh, maybe get all your volunteers onto a Facebook group. You can uh, then communicate to them. And you want that to kind of be closed, and you want to be able to send those messages. Mm-hmm. But as a strategy for your church, I would say that the page is – Definitely the way to go, just so that no matter who is out there, whether they're in India or whether they're in China or whether they're in Russia or wherever they are, they're able to check out your church and see what messages and things that you've got going on. In our church, we've we've made the decision to use you know a Facebook group for our upward soccer parents, so we can communicate with them last minute on that. But also, we can restrict our uh, like pictures from the kids that are playing soccer. You know, we, we restrict that to the group so those parents can upload and just share within that group. Our youth ministry parents have a group also, and they're kind of, you know, it's kind of more close knit. Yeah, I would just say it goes back again to strategy. And I think, again, it depends on how much you're wanting your message to spread. If you want it to be a closed message, you want it to be a closed group, then go to a group Facebook group function. But as a message of the church, I would say get on a page as fast as you can. So maybe have a, a, a top-level page, use a page for the church as a whole, and that's kind of the public face. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, let's talk about your company, Roar, and it's pronounced Roar like a lion, tiger, or a bear. tiger, or yeah, whatever else. Or a bangle, or a cowboy fan on Monday morning. But it's spelled R zero four R dot com. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, the reason it's not R O four R is because we couldn't uh, get the dot com. So we went R zero four R. But really, it's just talking about the imagery between the lion and the lamb. It's talking about clear communication on a mobile platform. And really, it just goes to speak about how there's all kinds of noises that are that are out there. And we believe that the church has the greatest message of all and we want it to be heard. And that's why our tagline is, you will be heard, especially on in an app store that could have 80,000 to 250,000 apps or whatever that looks like. We hope that there can be as many churches and as much you know Christian content as possible in those app stores so that when people are searching, they can receive you know the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. So tell me about a typical... App. So a church will come to you and say, "Hey, we want to do an app. Uh, what kind of what kind of features do they build into their app? How are people using this technology?" Well, we have a platform that we have for churches, and this is kind of where we kind of lead churches to go into. There's 17 different modules within this platform. Everything from uh, podcasts, videos, to uh, maybe it's your message uh, notes or uh, sermon notes. It could be events. It could be 
Um, there's a, a plethora of things, whether it's you know even linking to your Facebook page so that you can uh, go and update it uh, you know from your phone or whatever that looks like. So really, there's you can even put in your staff and you if your pastor has a book he's trying to sell or maybe Tony you've got one coming out you could sell your book through that app you could do all kinds of different things like give or uh, if your church had a store because there's some large churches that do then you could actually even hook up your store to the app and be able to sell some products through uh, there as well so there's all kinds of different things that you're able to do on that platform and we try to make it as in, inexpensive as possible so that you know, even the smaller churches are able to utilize it. So if, if I have a church and we've just spent, you know, the last 10 years figuring out how to use our website and sure. we finally got that all together and we're like, OK, we can we can upload our sermon audio. We can do announcements. We can uh, upload uh, pictures and we even have it linked to our Google calendar. So we've gone through all the work to get that right. And now we need to do a separate thing uh, for the mobile phone. Is that correct? Why can't we just use our website? Well, sure, you could go to your website on an iPhone or an Android phone or a Nokia phone or whatever you got, it, as long as it has you know Internet capabilities. The issue is all the content that you just put 10 years of work into on that website, it isn't really mobile friendly. And when people go to that site, they're going to be highly frustrated, one, because it could be in Flash or it could be – uh, onto a scale that's really not really viewable for the phone, or it's very hard to find because of the way, you know, when you look at a website, it's structured in a way for a screen that's quite large and that's horizontal. Well, when you go to a phone, most of it is vertical and it's very small. So everything has to be reinterpreted, one, so that people can get to that information as quickly as possible. That's what you want. And two, the phone gives you some other capabilities that a lot of times your computer or at least your website is very hard to do. And that's like share it on Facebook, make it very easy on the phone to do that. Maybe send a tweet to Twitter. We make it very easy to do that as well. It's also it's very hard to you know take that computer with you and run. Um, <laughs> And um, and it's hard to actually get things like that streaming um, to a mobile phone because it has to be transcoded in different ways. And I don't want to get technical. The, the deal is this, though. You don't see very many people uh, right now these days carrying around their laptop all the time. What you do see is these smartphones that people are carrying around 80 percent of the day. And if the content is not available or at least easily accessible through those phones, then they're not going to reach out to it, and they're going to wait until maybe they get home in their computer or whatever. We want the Christian message to be on people's minds and in people's faces really as much as possible, and we believe the best way to do that is to have an app in either the App Store or in the Android Marketplace. When I first talked with you about this in July, I was kind of fuzzy on, okay, what do you do that? Because I don't spend a lot of time on the smartphone at all. I don't even have one. We we take it from the church secretary every now and then and play with it. But you know, I just didn't have a smartphone. So I so I've been paying attention to this since I talked to you in July, and it seems like um, you know it, it's such an obvious benefit to have that to have your content formatted uh, for the smartphone. And we were up there and. She was playing Rick Warren. I mean, this is our church secretary. She's up there working on the bulletin or something, and she's got her computer here, and she's got a computer in the other room and a CD player here. But she's got her little smartphone sitting over by the um, by the folding machine, and she's listening to a Rick Warren sermon while she's working. And I'm like, man, that's that's the new opportunity. And churches who are able to do that, I mean, they're extending the relationship from the community. I mean, they're 
they're able to be with you in ways that just weren't available a few years ago. Yeah, not only is it a marketing piece, don't get me wrong, because on most of these smartphones, when you go buy different apps, people are going to see your church logo every single day just because of that. So it's a marketing opportunity to get people to say, hey, I remember my church because they're seeing your logo on their phone. But then again, you press that logo and all of these different things are going to show up. Maybe it's a prayer wall where I can put in a prayer request, which other people can start praying for. That type of relationship not only is going to help your local community, but it's also going to help your global community because apps don't only go to the United States. They're going all over the world. Now you have a local and a global strategy all within, well, a small little device called a mobile phone. We think that's pretty cool. Let me grab a couple questions here off Twitter. We're almost out of time, but all right. Let's uh, let's hear from uh, Pastor Jared. That's Jared Massey, um, and he says he's curious – about ways in which the church and Kidmen can lead the way in technical culture instead of following. And I think the idea behind that question is it always seems like children's ministry is really bad, but the church in general, we're always playing catch-up with where culture has gone. What are some ways that we can be leaders in that? I think the hardest part for the church in that aspect is that Sunday every it comes every week. I mean, when you talk to different children's pastors or senior pastors, whatever that looks like, it's well, Sunday's always on my mind because, well, Sunday has to happen. So for us as a organization, just overall church to get uh, to start leading the way in this whole technology aspect, we have to be able, one, to get people to start thinking past Sunday and that Sunday has to happen. So it's going to take some people stepping outside of the church to help the church, I think, in that aspect. That's one reason I think God has called me to be the CEO of a mobile tech, you know, mobile uh, apps company to start thinking about things that are outside of Sunday morning and how then can we lead the way one in apps, but then two, even in apps that are coming not only to the phone, but on the TV and some other aspects where apps are going to start showing up that maybe you never saw them before. Well, those are the types of things I would say I'm definitely thinking about and that my team is thinking about. And we're trying to say, okay, how can we leverage not only this technology, but where can we lead to make sure that the Christian message is on that device or that hardware or whatever that technology looks like? But I think what the question is, you know, why, why does it seem like the church is always behind? I think it's priority-wise um, because the church really should be looking at Sunday. Wendy, who is uh, also known as Saved Sister 7 on Twitter, she wants to know about puppets and why you are so passionate about puppet ministry. First, okay, just for the <laughs> trick question. Sorry there. <laughs> I like puppets. Okay, me and puppets. I've never been a real big fan of puppets. I think there are other ways uh, that are really even more effective than puppets. But I will say this. I was a part of a puppet team when I was younger. My wife and I did it together. We were down in Charleston, South Carolina, right before we were married. So I have used puppets. I've used puppets to ministry, to minister to people. And I'm not going to knock puppets all day long. I just say, hey, maybe there could be a better way that we reach people. Hey, maybe we could get those puppets onto an iPhone app, and then we'll see what happens. There we go. And I think part of that is there's there's this ongoing conversation between you and Amy Dolan. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I love Amy. And Amy's working on a project right now where they are using puppets. Of course, they're using puppets in a video aspect. 
And I think that changes things up a little bit because you're using technology. But I've seen puppets, and here's the problem. I've seen puppets that have been done so poorly. And that's the thing about puppets is that they can be done so poorly. But what the project she's working on, of course, they're doing them in a very excellent way, and they're delivering them in an excellent way. So I'm not going to knock her on what she's doing, that's for sure. Yeah, I had her on a few weeks ago on the podcast, and she was sticking up for the puppets a little bit. She said, you know, they're using blue screen. These puppets are in these rich environments, and they're done really well, obviously, with Phil Vischer kind of engineering all that. And then they're also – they're using a lot of humor. So, you know, it's not quite the Muppets on TV – like the golden age, but they're the levels of excellence that puppets, you know, the, that people come into puppets. I mean, it's everything from, you know, really being able to be seen with a puppet on your hand, the whole bit. It, it's so easy to mess up puppets. I think we should just leave them alone. So when you were doing puppets back in your dark days, um, yes. were you any good? I was horrible. <laughs> Man, I, that's why I don't like them either. I was interviewing at this church, and uh, Lord willing, it'll be the only church I have to interview with because it was a it was a scary thing. But one of the people on the committee looked at me and said, "So, do you do puppets or dance or juggle or anything?" <laughs> and I was like, uh, "No, no, no, I don't do any of those things." <laughs> uh, it's an expectation for children's ministry, which is is maybe part of the problem why people do it, even though they don't, you know, maybe do the best job. All right, one more question. Wayne Stocks at Stocks Ohio. He's curious to hear more about uh, an article you wrote on your po- on your blog, uh, mattmckee.me, about human and we're all human. Maybe you can explain what that was about. Well, you know, growing up in the church, it was hard for me to look at pastors as being human, and I was burned uh, quite a few times uh, by people who either got kicked out of the ministry or. You even look at kind of some of your heroes today who are in the church, and then all of a sudden you see that, well, they've fallen, and it's because they are human. We're all sinful, and no matter – the whole point behind the post was no matter who the big speaker is of the day or no matter what the big curriculum is or whatever happens, there is always a human side of of this whole Kidman thing, and I think we've got to pray against that. We've got to be able to say – um, that there is a human side, but no matter what happens on that human side, God still reigns. And we need to still make it, no matter what, about God and not get caught up into whether it's a legal dispute or whether it's uh, you know two guys who are fighting or two ladies who are fighting who are big names in the children's ministry world. I think we just got to be able to get past that and say, you know what, this is truly about God, but still be able to you know deal with the human side and and say that this is going to happen uh, and that you know this is a reality. Well, that's a good note to end this on. And, uh, Matt, I just want to thank you so much for, for taking time out of your schedule to come and, and talk with me on the podcast. And I want to thank all the listeners who have stuck through to this point, and hopefully they've, they've learned some things that are going to help them in their ministry, and we just speak God's blessing over them. Thank you again, Matt. Thank you, Tony.